When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 270. Today's episode is all about the seven emotional clutter magnets and how to make space for happiness. Here's a super actionable step you and the listeners can just implement right away. Stop saying the word need. Stop saying you need a new pair of jeans. Stop saying you need a new pair of leggings. Stop saying you need a new lip gloss. 99% chance you don't need it. You just want it. So just get honest with yourself. I want a new pair of jeans. Okay. Great. You want a new pair of jeans. Can you afford them? Do you have places to wear them? Great. But we sort of couch it in this, I need, I need, I need. And we don't. We don't need it. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. If this is your first time giving your mind a little love, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Mind love is a habit, and the more you give your mind that love and intention, the better you'll feel about yourself and your life. Plus, it's really a win-win because more subscribers means mind love attracts even more amazing guests to bring you their wisdom. So don't forget to subscribe. Today, I am stoked to share this review from Lion G who says, Melissa is a genius interviewer, taking her guests deeper into the core of their message and always bringing it to the practical level. She's truly in flow and in her zone, exploring topics that are highly diverse and yet coherent. How can we be a better human being? How can we serve humanity while we're serving our own evolution and growth? She's a gem. Don't miss this podcast. I teared up a little bit when I read this one, so (laughs) thank you so much. I'm often pretty good at deflecting compliments, but it does feel good to be in my element when I'm interviewing. I truly love it, and I'm glad that that shines through. So thank you so much for writing this. This one had me glowing all week. Are you one of those people that has nothing on your floor, no clutter on your tables, a place for everything, and a perfectly styled home? Because if so, will you please come over and teach me? (laughs) Just kidding, unless you're willing, because I am totally down. But really though, I feel like everyone on Instagram has a home that is just always ready for their next photo shoot. Although I'm also kind of convinced that they just keep a perfectly styled corner so that we don't have to see the real shit show behind the camera. But I know that that's not true because some of these people are my friends. I, on the other hand, have the table pile, things that have no place to go yet, a bag of things that I think I'm going to donate soon and several packages from Amazon on the way that also have no homes. (laughs) Okay, so I'm not that bad, but I can be pretty cluttery. I do have disorganized drawers of items that make no sense to be stored together, and every time I make the commitment to get really organized, I suddenly spiral down the illusion that I need more stuff. And the truth is, clutter affects mental health. It doesn't affect everyone the same way, but for the most part, it increases our stress levels, It makes it difficult to focus, it increases the chance that we procrastinate, and it can even negatively impact our relationships. 
And not just with the person that we live with. For example, maybe you don't invite friends over because your house isn't ready, which can lead to feelings of social isolation. But imagine what it would be like to walk into a home that feels inviting or to start daydreaming about your next big goal and not have this interfering thought that, well, maybe I'll get to it after I finally organize these drawers, only to get overwhelmed and then not do anything at all. Or even on a superficial level, just being able to take that adorable photo of your kid without being embarrassed by the mess in the background. And yes, I know there are more important things, but those photo memories are sometimes too good to pass up. The problem is, the clutter can feel like a never-ending cycle because with the ease of Amazon and same-day delivery, right when we tidy up one thing, many of us already have another thing coming. So what can we do to finally stop attracting clutter and make space for happiness? Well, that's what we're talking about today. Our guest is Tracy McCubbin. While working for a major television director in Los Angeles, she discovered that she had this ability to see through any mess and clearly envision a clutter-free space. I wish I had that divine gift. (laughs) She's also the author of Making Space Clutter-Free, the last book on decluttering that you'll ever need and make space for happiness. She's also a regular featured expert in the media, including the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, Goop, Home and Family, Real Simple, Mind Body Green, basically all the important places. So three key things we will learn are the big marketing tricks that leave us feeling like we always need more, why our intentions to donate often fail, and the seven emotional clutter magnets and how to work through them. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. And now let's welcome Tracy McCubbin to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So give us a little background on you. What inspired your life of decluttering? Because your passion is, I don't know, is it my nightmare? I feel great when I do it. I just can't get myself to do it. It's so hard. (laughs) Well, I'm one of those people, um, I spent a lot of my life figuring out what I didn't want to do. I was a personal assistant and I worked in a law firm and I tried acting and I just did all these things and none of them, I learned something from everyone, but I was like, this just quite isn't quite right, isn't quite right. And then when I was working for a television director as an assistant, he would 
lend me out or say to friends, I've got, you know, my assistant's great. She can do this. And so I started getting these calls and I would do this decluttering and I would help people get organized. And I just loved it. Like it just started to, I just was happy every day. It was interesting every day. I just felt the satisfaction of helping people. And a big component for me is I'm the child of a hoarder. My dad's an extreme hoarder. So I went into it with an extreme amount of compassion and understanding that the hold our stuff can have on us. And I think it gave me a point of view. For me, it was never about making somebody's house perfect and looking like Pinterest and totally decluttered. It was about making their homes work and support them. And so I think that just having that like different point of view, it just took off. So I made a little website and I got a little flip phone and 15 years ago, the business started and now I have 11 employees and we're booked like six weeks out and it's amazing. It's amazing. I love what I do. That's awesome. And actually, you're fairly local. I might be able to get you to come. (laughs) So... Give us a little history of clutter because I'm fascinated by this. I didn't even know there was a history of clutter until you introduced me to it. <laughs> so where you mentioned how we got really far from the concept of need. How did that happen? You know, I think it was a combination of a couple of things. I think the first thing is at our base, we're still hunters and gatherers, right? That's biologically how we were designed to go out and find a pear tree full of pears or you know, catch an animal and skin it. And our brain, when we did these things, our brain would reward us with dopamine to keep us looking for it. And we're like, oh, this is great. So we were tribal and that was happening. And then um, as the industrial revolution happened, and especially a really big change when I look back historically is when manufacturing moved overseas and when things got really, really cheap. So what happens is when we shop now, our brain still rewards us as if we'd killed a woolly mammoth. You know, our brain's like, that's amazing. You went to Target and found Christmas decorations. So we haven't readjusted. You know, we're stuff is so easy to buy. It's so cheap to buy. Now, you you know, you don't even have to put pants on anymore. Now you just order off the couch and we haven't righted ourselves. We're still thinking that all this stuff is important and we've got to have it. And we don't. And people are drowning, Melissa. People are drowning in stuff. I see it every day. I have, look, I have 11 people who work for me. We are booked six weeks out. People have too much stuff and it's not making them happier. I have so much to say about that. I am not even wearing pants right now. I am hunting and gathering on Amazon daily and it feels so good. But you're right. Like for me, I have a couple friends who are very organized and neat, including my mother. And the key is they have a spot for all their stuff. And I don't have a spot for all my stuff. Amazon stuff comes in. I was like, I'll figure that out later. So I have a corner of my new stuff. But yeah. And then I'm looking in my closets and I'm like, well, I have to reorganize this completely. The other decluttering things I've read, like the art of tidying up and how you have to take everything out in order to then put it away. And I I tried that one time with just like one drawer and it was so overwhelming (laughs) that then I'm like, I guess I'm just never going to be this kind of organized. Like, and I'm having kids with more stuff. (laughs) All the things. I think the thing to remember, the really important thing about that is that it's, there is not one 
set way to be for everybody. Like this, I think a lot of the organizers out there, especially on social media, are sort of presenting it needs to look one way and your pantry needs to be labeled and your jars always need to face the same direction. And look, if you like that, knock yourself out. For me, I'm like, I'm not labeling my pantry. I know what rice looks like. I'd much rather take my dog for a hike, you know? So it's really about understanding that I'm never coming from a place of it needs to look perfect or be perfect. It needs to work for you and your household. Your house is a tool. The bottom, it's a tool. It needs to, you need to rest inside of it. You need to replenish inside of it. And if you're fighting against the stuff all the time, your house isn't working anymore. So I just want people to take that first, like, oh, I should be perfect. Or my friend's house looks so neat and tidy. Maybe you don't want it that way. That's okay. But if you feel like you spend more time managing your stuff, I would say to people, like, if you feel like your stuff owns you and you don't own your stuff, that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah, there's this one account I just started following and it seems like she's going to launch something or something like that. I don't know what it is, but everything keeps being follow to see. (laughs) But I am inspired by the, she just keeps talking about how her new minimalist lifestyle makes things so easy to put away. And so she'll post these videos and I'm like, yeah, there's five toys on the ground. You only need to put five in a basket. That's amazing. I'm not sure I'm ever going to get there. I've given up my hope on minimalism. I don't think I like minimalism. So you do bring up a really good point. Like we see these things and it does seem aspirational and I might weigh it against my discomfort in my current situation. It's like, yes, that looks like a way out, but is it my way out? Because there's a lot of ways out and I don't, I don't think it is. I've always liked stuff. I've always liked gadgets. If there's a new way to peel an avocado using one tool that I only use for avocados, <laughs> I'm going to have that tool. So <laughs> I've always yeah. been like that, but I want to hit on some of the other things that tend to get us because we're living in the world of subscription boxes. I had a bunch Mm -hmm. of subscription boxes for a while and I realized as much as I liked getting these in and feeling, oh, it's the fall box and it's cozy and I've got new slippers. I don't like these as much as the slippers I already own, (laughs) but like now they're here and they're cute and they go with the blanket that I also don't really like. Tell me about why subscription boxes are lame. I I mean, you know, I think I kind of think they're just like month, you know, month, month boxes of clutter. Like you didn't pick those things. They weren't things that you wanted. And what happens is they show up and you're like, I got a present and you get a big hit of dopamine. And then all of a sudden you're just left with the stuff. And I think that people, I think the really missing part, and I see this so much on social media, is people aren't taking to, into account the emotional hold our stuff has on us. It's like, we'll just declutter or just get it organized without understanding that we're coming into it with a story about, oh, we're, I've always been messy. I'm a messy person or our emotional attachment. Or if I buy everything with labels on it, I'm going to be a better person or I'm going to feel better about myself, that we imbue the stuff that has no meaning with all the meaning in the world. And so what I'm saying, first of all, I'm not saying don't shop. I like pretty things. I collect vintage Gucci purses. They make me incredibly happy. I work very hard. I love them. I'm not saying that. I am also not a minimalist. But I'm also saying, but what I'm saying is realize that that thing isn't going to fix what's inside of you. 
The thing isn't the fix, thing is the sprinkles on the icing on the cake. It's not going to fix anything. And we have been sold this bill of goods that you're just one eye cream away from never aging again. You know, just take this these vitamins and all your belly fat will go away. That there's we're just being marketed to so much and we've kind of lost all of our media literacy. And I do agree with you. I have seen that with content creators in this space where you you feel them teeing you up. You're like, oh, you're going to drop a product. I can see it. I feel it coming. You're going to tell me to buy a thing to put my things in to keep my things organized. And I'm going way back to the beginning. Like, do you need, look, bins come in handy, but do you need to shop that, all that to get where you want to be? I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, (laughs) and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. I appreciate 
all of those things. And I need to go back a few layers because that is part of the reason why, well, the big reason why I wanted to do an episode around this and with you in particular, because you do really connect the emotions that are tied into it. And I recognize that with myself when I have a full Amazon cart. I'm getting a little bit better <laughs> where I, I'm now getting the dopamine hit, just adding it to the Amazon cart. So I have a cart of like 76 things and, <laughs> and I haven't bought any of them. <laughs> it's, it's how I just kind of shove it away. And if I'm going to buy something, I buy it now. <laughs> so that way I don't have to look right. at the cart and all of the other things. Uh, but, but Melissa, here's a really interesting, I just want to like, Here's a super actionable step you and the listeners can just implement right away. Stop saying the word need. Stop saying you need a new pair of jeans. Stop saying you need a new pair of leggings. Stop saying you need a new lip gloss. 99% chance you don't need it. You just want it. So just get honest with yourself. I want a new pair of jeans. Okay, great. You want a new pair of jeans. Can you afford them? Do you have places to store them? Great. But we sort of couch it in this, I need, I need, I need. And we don't. We don't need it. Such a good point. And it changes the energy around it too. Because the moment that I'm sitting here saying, God, I just really need new. Okay, this is happening now because I'm pregnant. My belly's getting huge. And I feel like I need pregnancy clothes. And on one hand, yes, there was a time that I did. I was pregnant last time. I got clothes. I didn't have very many of them. It lasted me through. And now I don't really like some of those. And I feel like I need them. But I could survive without them. But the moment that I say, I need new maternity pants, I need new maternity clothes, I automatically feel like I'm in the energy of lack. I feel like I'm in this energy where I... I don't know if I should, blah, blah, blah. Suddenly it's this push-pull, but I don't feel good about myself. And that's really the point of yeah. it. But, and, but, and you and you give your power to the thing. You yes. hand your power. I need that. So I'm going to put myself in financial distress to buy it. I'm going to sneak around behind my, you know, if you're in a partnership and you have a commingle your money, I'm not going to tell my partner. You know, you're all of a sudden not being accountable or being truthful. And I'm just saying, look, you may very well want new pregnancy pants. Great. It's hard being pregnant. You may want that. That is okay. But to just say, I need it, it, it take for me, what I see with people is that it takes the onus off of them. It's like, well, this just happened. I needed it. So I had to buy it. You know, people always say like, I don't know how my house got so cluttered. And I'm like, well, you brought everything in it. Like you brought it. So let's start there, which I think is a place of power. I think that's the, you know, that's, it just didn't happen to me. I participated and I can change my behavior around this. I feel attacked in a good way. <laughs> not attacked, not attacked, hugged. Yeah, like a, like a really aggressive hug. <laughs> I'm also thinking you're like, and they, they're deceiving their spouses just to make both of us feel better, a lot of times when I order things, I'll I'll have it sent to my baby's name. <laughs> so like if it's a package for bravery, I don't know. I don't know what's that in it, kid. but I'm taking it into my room. But I don't know how that kid figured out how to shop on Amazon. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> he knows a lot. He knows a lot of buttons. So, okay, so buying does not make us happy. Subscription boxes create clutter because we didn't choose them. The other thing I want to touch on before we get into all of these emotional things that that kind of wrap us up is you talk about the donation myth and that one's so true to me also where I'm just like, well, 
I'll just donate all the other things. In my mind, it's not necessarily like, I'll just donate this if I buy it and don't like it. It's that suddenly this purchase feels like, oh, this is the holy grail of the pants that I want, which means I can get rid of the eight pants that I've felt are mediocre over the years and I'll donate them and I'll feel good. But then I go to do it and I hold them up and I'm like, yeah, but this one is a little different for this and it's got, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Why? Right. Because we get, you know, we get wrapped in this cycle of like these pants, all these pants are going to solve my problems. That's where we start that this somehow this thing is going to solve our problems. And it's not look, I just bought a new pair of pants. They're fantastic. They fit great. They're comfortable. I can wear them to work. They look cute. I'm like, these pants are great. These pants are very useful. Did they solve all my problems? No. Do I still have aging parents? Yes. You know, am I still running a business with 11 employees? Yes. Is my cell phone still ringing? Yes. Those pants didn't solve any problems, but they're useful and I like them. And so I think, but I think the thing about the donation myth is that we, it's just a lie that we tell ourselves. Like, I, you know, I'm, well, I'll give it away and then someone else will need it. And look, I'm, that is a huge part of my business. One of the things we do is we take everything that people get rid of and as much as we can, we donate it, we find new homes for it. But there's too much stuff in the world. You know, someone was saying to me the other day, they're like, oh, I'm going to bundle up some clothes and send it to the hurricane victims in, in Florida. And I'm like, they don't want your clothes. Those people, they want, you know, the Red Cross wants money. Don't send, don't send wool sweaters and high heeled shoes. They don't want it. And I think that it's a way that we kid ourselves. That point that you made that there's too much stuff in the world is so pertinent because especially since fast fashion has happened, it's like you can make clothes for pennies and you get it and it feels like pennies. So you're only going to wear it a couple times because you hate it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And it falls apart and you wash it and it turns sideways when you get it out. And, you know, and I think like, I mean, I remember, you know, I was raised, I'm 57 and I was raised to darn, you know, my grandma darn sweaters and I sewed buttons back on. And when we had to sew our own clothes, you weren't as careless with them. And now that you can get a shirt for $3.99, but without thinking that someone had to make that shirt. So they, there's no world where they were paid a living wage. That shirt had to come across the sea on a boat. So it polluted the ocean. You're going to wear it three times and then you're going to donate it, but the donate place can't use it. So they're going to throw it away. And then it's in the landfill. It's like this cycle. And one of the things in the new book, Make Space for Happiness, that I point out is look at the cycle. See where the stuff you're buying is coming from and where it's going because it'll stop you in your tracks. It's like, well, I don't want to participate in that. What's funny is I can easily do that with food. Like I noticed a long time ago, I recovered from an eating disorder a, long, a while ago. And one of the things that really helped me was realizing that cycle and actually being a part of it. And so being bringing more awareness to my eating meant also shopping for my food and like slowing down and slowing it when I like smelling it when I peeled the carrots and actually making it myself. And I learned that our bodies actually even digest it differently when we play such a part. And then add another step. Imagine I don't have the space to grow my own food yet, but it's a goal of mine in my life to then grow the food and all of that. And it's like, when that meal comes to your mouth, it is not just an apple pie you got at Whole Foods. It's like, oh my goodness, this is months in the making. I, this is seasonal. It tastes good. It feels good. And everything about it's different. And I even feel that when I buy something from like 
there's a, a farmer's market near me that just stopped because it's seasonal. No. But <laughs> it's this woman that will like hand sew little shirts and, and things like that. And I've bought a couple things from her. And when, it's not even my favorite shirt. But when I put it on, it just feels good because I know where it came from. She talks about how it's organic cotton. It doesn't even look that good on me. But I like it because of the process that you talked about. And so to get in tune with that process of our clothing or really anything that we buy that's that's just cheap and whatever did this hurt somebody while it was being made yeah. or or is it sustaining people because i believe in the energy that things hold and so to me i feel that then when i'm carrying it around is it sustaining me or is this like poison that's just been injected into my home that's hurt everything that it's touched yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's so much appreciation. I've been watching on TikTok, especially there's this, whole, there's all these videos right now with these young women. It, they crack me up, but these young women are like, I was in my grandma's attic and she's been hiding all these clothes for me from the eighties and nineties. And they're putting them on. And first of all, they look fantastic. These young women are like, and it's so cute. And they're like, mom, you know, like my mom told me a story about this thing. And all of a sudden there's this whole interaction between generations and they have this appreciation. And it just makes me so happy that they're not just, you know, at the place that rhymes with app and buying a t-shirt that they're, that it was came from somewhere. And, and like you said, there's an energy passed down that there's their mother loved it or their grandmother loved it. And now they're wearing it. And I think I think that's really important. I think it's really, really important because as things have become disposable, then everything in this really, like we're in this really weird place where all of a sudden quantity has become important and meaningful, but the things have it because they're all disposable. You're like, well, I'll just get a new one. I'll just get a new computer. I'll just get a new phone. I need a new phone. No, no, you don't. There's so much to think about with this. I promise <laughs> after the end of this episode, my life is going to be different because I notice, <laughs> I know key points that my life did change for the worst. I know that 2020 was a part of it. We weren't allowed to go out. So shopping online more became normal. So having more packages come to my door without having to explain them was fine. And then motherhood was another one because in part of it, there is need. Like I have a new baby. There's things that I need. But then I'm wrapping this that need word up with all of these things that I just kind of want. I literally have eight baby carriers because I couldn't decide which one I liked better. And so, yeah, I have all the styles. I'm really excited for this new baby to come try them out. But guess <laughs> what I have on a list is this one other baby carrier that I've never tried. And I'm going to convince myself by the end of this that I do not need this. And so what are some of these emotional things because you can see these key points in my life. I'm sure with other people, it probably comes with job loss, maybe even raises because they feel like they could have more or a lot of times there's a change in life and then there's a change in our spending or there's a change in our habits. So what are these emotional clutter magnets that you tell us that basically are the catalysts for so many of these things? <laughs> So it's great. The way that I see it, so I've been a professional declutterer for 15 years. I have over 40,000 hours of decluttering under my belt. So I've seen it. I've seen all the tricks. I've seen all this. I've heard all the stories. I've seen it. And I started to see really this came into clarity during the during the pandemic. I just saw people, like you said, shopping, like, I was like, what is happening, people? You know, what is happening? And what I realized is the way that it it plays out for me 
is that if I imagine we're a whole person and then we all have these little pieces of ourselves missing. So maybe it's self-respect. Maybe it's that big love we've been looking for. Maybe it's our sense of real purpose. And so instead of trying to figure out what that is, we're trying to shop to fill it. So they're, I call them clutter magnets. Like they're these little openings inside of us that we're trying to fill with stuff. I mean, look, self-confidence, that's a perfect one. That's a clutter magnet. And what when I see that one in operation, it's like every, you know, I go into the bathroom and there's like a countertop of oceans of potions and lotions. And, you know, this is the eye cream and this is the neck cream and this is the, this cream and the butt cream and the, the, the thigh cream. And it's like, it's all just a cream. It's all just a cream. Um, so we're trying to buy those things. We're trying to buy, we're trying to buy something to fill them up. And I think really what happened, Melissa, in the pandemic too, is that we had one of the most important things taken away from us. We had connection taken away from us. Like that was just off off the table. You know, you maybe had a pod, maybe. And we just, we felt it. We're pack animals. We really want to be with our tribe. And we didn't get to sit across. I remember one time at the height of the pandemic, like having a terrible day and going and sitting in my car, FaceTiming with my best friend, like, before that, I would have said, oh, you want to meet me here? We'll grab a glass of wine, a cup of coffee. I was like sitting in my car on FaceTime, like, oh, you know, and, and it, she was there for me, but it's not the same. It's not the same. And so I think when our true connection fell apart, we just went hog wild. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. I see that for sure. I really made a point to continue to connect. I just found all the people that weren't afraid of getting sick. And mm-hmm. <laughs> they became yeah. my pod and we hung out all the time. And and still it it got to me. And I think what it was is I did start spending a lot more time online. And so all of a sudden there's comparison and then there's all of the really 
genius marketed, highly targeted ads. And you mentioned self-confidence and like how it's just a cream. And it brought to mind how just the other day I was actually scrolling and this ad comes up and it started to get me. And the funny thing is, is you helped me because I knew this interview was coming up (laughs) and and I had already prepped for it. And I was like, what would Tracy do? (laughs) And I I, I just got a little more discerning. But get, get how genius this is. So this was for a kid's vitamin and, but it, it, was marketing this way that I have never seen it marketed before, how it targets invisible hunger, how your kid is picky and it doesn't matter how much you feed them and how they still have nutritional deficiencies. And I, of course, have a picky toddler right now where he went from eating amazingly to where now I'm like, did he only eat cheese today? I put 19 (laughs) different things on his plate. And so then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, well, this will fix my thing because what nutritional deficiencies does he have? Like I'm constantly focused on my own and our families and a highly nutritious family. And so then I'm like, well, this has got to do it. And then I actually look at it and it's just, it's, it's no different than all of the other vitamins. Not only that, it's a gummy vitamin. And I don't know if people know about gummy vitamins, but they're not very bioavailable. Like you're yeah, really not getting- By the way, they're just gummy, they're just- they're just gummy candy. They're literally yeah. gummy candy. And like, that's that. Yeah, exactly. That we get. And I think that we think that, you know, we think that that person is selling us something we really need. You know, I, look, I live in Los Angeles. I have a, a lot of celebrity clients. You know, I see those women that, you know, were supermodels in the 80s and now are in their 60s. Do they look great? Yeah, they look great they still look like they're in their 60s because there is no such thing as anti-aging. Anti-aging doesn't happen. It You age. We all age. Like, it happens. But we're being sold constantly. If you just do this and if you just do that and, you know, you look at the difference. I mean, I'll just call it out here. You look at the difference between like a Sharon Stone, right? On social media, a lot of times without makeup, she looks phenomenal. She looks great. She's, I think, 62, something like that. She looks great. Versus a Madonna who's filtered and puffed up and like just, you're like, oh my God, you know, what's happening? What's happening? And, you know, they're, it, she's not acknowledging the life that she's lived and everything she's seen because we're so focused on what she's done to her face that we're not even seeing her as an artist anymore. Yeah, we we try to fix things that don't need fixing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wonder too, I noticed a while ago, but I know this also doesn't always apply. I There was a time where it seemed like all of my friends that had a good amount of wealth had less of the problems of clutter. It was like that middle class and lower class that really hoarded more. Be And I look at it as my husband and I talked about it because his parents can be like that. His dad was like that. So it's kind of filtered over. They're not horrible, but they they keep a lot of stuff and they have a lot of space in order to keep stuff, a barn and blah, blah, blah. And so his dad, though, grew up in poverty. And so his mindset, and he recognizes this, is that I have to keep this thing because what if I need it and I won't be able to replace it? And so it'll be like like a weed vape cartridge where he's like, <laughs> I'm keeping this. It's like, it's empty. There's nothing in it. What are you going to do with this? Like, yeah. Store ants? It's I, I weird. Think- Uh, Yeah, I think also I see this a lot, which is always very fascinating to me is, you know, 
first generation, like children of immigrants, right? Their parents came and worked so hard to get here and, you know, are doing all these amazing things. And you just, you're like, you don't, you can let go of the yogurt containers. I promise you, like more yogurt containers will come. So I think that's another thing is that people need to understand where they came from, what narrative their families told them. You know, I had two grandparents who grew up in the depression. So that definitely informed a lot. Uh, You know, do not try and throw a rubber band away around my house. I'm like, we might need that rubber band. (laughs) What? (laughs) But I think you have to look like you have to look at that. What was your family's story? What's your family's narrative around money? What's your family's narrative around security? Because it all plays into the stuff, the buying of the stuff, the keeping of the stuff, the needing of the stuff. It's all interwoven. And we're sort of you know, there's, it's probably the last 10 years that people have really started to talk about the decluttering and being organized. And then it all of a sudden just went to like, it needs to be rainbow and color coded. And, you know, we're missing that we're missing the soul part of it. That's so true because then it just becomes another thing that you need. I need Mm -hmm. to perfect this decluttering thing. I need more labels. I need more containers. I did that once. By the way, if you don't have a plan for your decluttering yet, do not go to Target (laughs) or the container store. You will come back with all sorts of containers that fit nowhere. I actually have a stack of containers in my closet. I sound worse than I probably am if you come to my house. It's cute. (laughs) there's There's the closet that we don't go in and there's like, and I have too much stuff in my hallway right now. (laughs) But like, I do try to keep things sort of surface level clean and and then I'll redo a drawer every now and then. But the thing that's missing is the thing that's missing. It's really getting in touch with that. Like, what is it that's driving that? And I know that that's why I'll deep clean, declutter, and then be great and not make any purchases for like three weeks. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, I mean, I just need this amount of things. Let me just do a, a binge purchase and then I'll be good and I won't need to do this anymore. But then it happens again in a few more weeks. Because it's so. because it's not truly fulfilling. It's momentarily. I mean, we've all done this when we have an event to go to or a wedding and you're going to see a bunch of, you know, a high school reunion. You're like, I just have to find the perfect dress. If I find the perfect dress, it'll, and instead, instead it's like, oh, I'm seeing my peers. I'm seeing family members. I'm going to be judged. I'm not feeling good about where I am in my life. It's just, we, we've got to start making the connection. And because I think that the first step in real change is understanding, oh, this is why I do this. Instead of, you can't just tell someone to stop a behavior. It just doesn't work. Like, just don't do that anymore. It's like, uh, okay. You know, you have to understand where that behavior comes from and what you're trying to get out of it. And, you know, one of the things I always say to my clients when they start their decluttering journey is, why? Why are you decluttering? And don't tell me, don't make your why be negative. Oh, I'm a bad housekeeper. I'm lazy. I've been messy my whole life. That's not going to keep you motivated. It's, well, I want to clean out my back room because I want my grandkids to come and stay. I want to get rid of the outside storage unit and save $300 a month. Like if you can, if you can really settle on a positive, motivating why, it's going to carry you through. Beating yourself up never got you anywhere. Beating myself up leads to another spiral where I will then do another thing for the dopamine. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so yeah. we have a couple of great things to work with here and really figuring out what our money story or what our buying story is. Like, what were we told about this from our family? What has our, been our history with it? 
And then, yeah, why is it important to declutter? I like to use that seven layers deep why if you can do it because so often, yeah, it's first it's like, oh, I want to clean home. But why do you want to clean home? Oh, so I'm not embarrassed when people come over. Oh, why do you not want to be embarrassed when people come over? Oh, so I can feel this. And you just keep going deeper until all of a sudden it's like, I just want to feel free and yeah. supported and not overwhelmed. And so once we do that, though, one of the things that really becomes apparent because what I used to do is, especially with eating disorder stuff, I just feel like all of these things tie so closely in because it's never about totally. the disorder. It's never about the repetitive action. It's what's underneath that. And one of the things that really helped me, and it's one of the problems I have with some of the movement around food these days is it's just like <laughs> I was in a Facebook group and somebody asked about nutrition for something I responded and I got attacked by all these women all food is equal no food is unhealthy and I'm like there is no reality where I believe that and I see where it's coming from because they're like because by people- the way I I ate Swedish fish for lunch and I have a headache right now so I can tell you not all food is equal <laughs> right and, and I get it because what they're trying to remedy is that there are people living in by means where they can only afford a certain amount of food and they don't or a certain kind of food and they don't need to feel bad about that. My problem with that is that it takes the blame off of the system that's creating that and it puts the blame off of the people trying to share knowledge and it's it just infuriates me. Well, and not- also yeah, and also what that does but that is so similar to fast fashion. It's like First of all, we need to write the system so that all people can afford healthy food and healthy food is available to everyone no matter where they live. But if you if you continue that story of like, well, all food is healthy, you don't, you can't do that. It's like, then those people who are in that situation aren't going to strive to how do I change, how do I change my community so we have access to it? There's this amazing guy out of South Central LA named Ron Finley, and he's called the Gorilla Gardener. And his whole thing is he takes empty lots and he plants tree, fruit trees and vegetables and make, you know, he said, plant, growing your own food is printing money. He's Amazing. And so he's a great example of that, right? Like he's not saying, oh, all food is equal and you should go eat at Jack in the Box because it's all you can afford. It's like, no, we need to make this food that's healthy available to everyone. Yes, exactly. And so one of the things that made that was helpful for me that goes against this new like food is equal movement <laughs> was actually understanding how different foods, whether it's the marketing or the actual ingredients, affect my mind, manipulate me. And so that included, you know, all the stupid, natural, healthy, natural flavors, ingredients, stuff, but also the idea that certain foods are created to be addictive. And the reason I bring that up is you talk about something that happens in the buying model and the marketing model called recidivism. Tell us about that and how it affects us. It's set up planned obsolescence, right? Recidivism is set up so that we go back and we buy more. So we've, we're now in this whole thing with technology. My grandma had the same typewriter my whole life. In fact, I have it. 
Like this idea of we need a new computer all the time, right? It just gets us going back and buying because we've upgraded and we've made it better and we've made it. But oftentimes with new technology, you're like, it's just a lateral move. It's not better, but we've gotten sucked into, we've got to go back and buy some more. And it gets us in this cycle of we want to buy, we want to feel better. We don't feel better. We want the newest thing. And then we just find ourselves in this, we just, it's a cycle and it really you know, it, it ties into how we are with money. So many people come to me when they're dealing with clutter that are also dealing with financial issues, that they're buying things they can't afford, that they have no sense of what they're spending. Um, they have clothes in their closet with tags on them that they've never worn. And so then what that does to them is like, oh, I can't get rid of it because I haven't worn it. And I paid a lot of money for it. But it's like, but you paid a lot of money and you're not using it. So it might as well be back at the store. You know, that there's no, they're just not completing the circle and understanding the buying cycle and how we get back there. Gosh, I, I've i done this interview today and one on knowing when to quit by a former <laughs> poker player and the same exact things coming up where, you know, you like feel invested in it. So you don't want to quit it or you don't want to get rid of it, but you don't realize that it's just like holding your own energy there. Like when I open the closet and I see those items that I know I need to get rid of, I immediately feel weighted down. Like, ah, oh, I'm still not doing this. And it's not about that item. It's about me. It's like, it's highlighting my problem. It's highlighting that I'm still not doing this and I'm still not using it, that I still haven't made time to donate or to organize or whatever it is. And so it's so much more than just that one inch of space it takes in my closet. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And so it's so much more than just that one inch of space it takes in my closet. Well, I get this question. This is one of the, probably the most DMs I get on social media is, you know, I go between a couple sizes or I'm trying to get back to my old size and I'm keeping all those clothes and I open my closet and I just feel bad. And so what, you know, I always say like, look, maybe the acceptance, I'm 57, like, my weight's pretty much the same as it's been for about 20 years, but my body's shaped different. I've been through menopause. I've just changed. Like, I'm not going to be able to wear things that I was able to wear below. And so keeping this idea of this goal pant that you're going to get into and solve all your problems, what happens is you open your closet and you just feel bad about yourself. You feel like a failure. Why can't I get there? It's like, but you may not be able to get there. Like, life may have changed in such a way that so is it supporting you to have a closet full of things that just make you feel bad about yourself I say no no it doesn't and that is the one thing that I did end up actually finding doable from Marie Kondo was <laughs> does this bring you joy and yeah. so yes ah. I still use that but it's not it's not always foolproof and the whole process around it was just a little bit too in-depth or too 
stringent or something. Like she, the woman yeah. puts I mean, away her soap dish when she's not washing her hands. That is not she, my life. I know. She, she empties her purse every night. You know, I have so much. She started such an important conversation. And she partly, you know, being Japanese, there was something about it that was different. And I am forever grateful to her because I was kind of starting my business when she first came on and I was like, oh, I see this. I see where this is going. And what I started to see with my clients is that it wasn't enough, that they got to a certain point and they're like, okay. I mean, I had a client who said, she she goes, so is guilt tinge sentimentality the same thing as joy because that's what I'm feeling right now (laughs) and so that's what inspired me to write my first book was like this is we're getting to a certain point and for a lot of people this works great but for a lot more people this doesn't it's something's missing it's just not going deep enough it's just you know and I've been in the trenches I've been doing this for a long time and for a lot of people it's not quite there but we are for ever grateful for her to starting this conversation. So when we start to look inside and realize, okay, yes, this isn't just about the new toaster oven in my Amazon cart. There's something deeper that's driving this behavior. How do you really figure out which one of those emotional clutter magnets are the one that's affecting you the most? Or does it really matter? Because a lot of the times it's kind of a combination of them all. (laughs) You know, I think it's, I think that what I'm finding, so the book's been out for a week and a half now, and the feedback that I'm getting is exactly that. Like, people are starting to see that it's not, that the lines are a little bit blurred. So it's really about when you read the book and you kind of do a deep dive, what resonates with you. So there's either like this feeling that, yeah, I agree with that, or you start to see yourself in the behavior, right? You're like, oh, I do that, you know, I'm the one that has to have a logo on all my purses. I'm the one that, you know, I buy stacks and stacks of books, me, you know, because I want to be smarter. I want it, but then I don't ever read them. But I'm like, oh, but they're because they're standing by my bed. I look smarter. You know, it's it, it's so it's really kind of doing a deep dive and just getting honest with yourself. And my whole goal with the book was to never beat anybody up. I don't come at it from that direction. I'm very, I understand. I know how hard this is. My dad's a hoarder. Like nobody knows, nobody knows probably more than me how difficult this is. And I come at it like, let's make this change so you can be happier, what it is. It's not about being right. I don't care. I want you to be happier. I want you to feel good when you get dressed in the morning. I mean, the amount of phone calls I get from people who are like, I cry every morning when I get dressed. Like I cry because my closet is such a disaster and it's full of four different sizes. And I'm like, well, that's no way to start your day. Let's fix that. I at least put the clothes I don't like on one side. (laughs) That's kind of my organization where I'm like, okay, if it's on this side for this amount of time and I don't find myself reaching for it, then I'll, I'll go back and (laughs) I'll donate them. (laughs) But There's just a lot of clothes on that side of the closet, I'll be honest. So once we identify that, I love to give listeners some action items to focus on for the week that really kind of grounds the material into their reality. So if they were going to start somewhere, they're looking at the what's missing in their lives. Now, what do they do to make at least a smidgen of progress? It's great. So again, I'll go back. This is so actionable and everybody can start this right now. Stop saying the word need and start saying the word want. 
just start there. Don't, and then just pay attention to how you respond to that. Just say like, oh, all of a sudden when I say want, like, I don't need that face wash anymore. I forgot to buy it. Another really actionable thing is for every hundred dollars that something costs, wait 24 hours before you buy it. Just wait. Don't buy it right now. Wait 24. If it's $200, wait. All of a sudden it's going to lose, it starts to lose its allure. But then we also go back to the basics. I mean, the stuff, it's so interesting because I think the movement around decluttering and the movement around food, there's so many parallels. Like it really is the things that we've always known. It's exercise, whatever that looks like for you, however you can do that. We feel better after we exercise. It's um, being of service to other people. You know what gives you self-respect? Help somebody. That gives you a lot of self-respect, more self-respect than a Michael Kors purse. It's um, having a gratitude practice. If you're thankful, look, clutter is a luxury. Let's just start there. Clutter is a luxury. So if you can start to start just having a gratitude practice, all of a sudden, you don't need to fill it with stuff. And then we go back to just connect with other people. Is that what's missing in your life? So many times when I work with people who are over shopping, it's they're lonely. I mean, they see it in elderly people all the time. They say that loneliness, the studies in longevity have shown that um, loneliness is as big a killer as heart disease and cancer in older people. Um, I, my grandma had a best friend who lived out in the country and should have moved into town and didn't. And, you know, and my, my grandma hadn't been out there in like six months and went out there. And the woman had basically some guy had called her and was selling her rugs, like fake oriental rugs. And she'd spent $100,000 on these cheap rugs because he would call her every three days. And, you know, it's just so sometimes it's really just loneliness. That is so sad. I know. <laughs> I want to buy that woman a real rug. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we got her, no, we got her to move into town. My grandma convinced her and she moved into town to a retirement community and like had a great time, you know? Like it's it's that. So I think it's, you know, I think it's identifying what you're trying to fill. Um, the book does an amazing job of looking at that, looking at the behavior and offering real-time solutions. Like if this is missing, if self-respect is missing in your life, here are some ways to get it. You know, go and volunteer. Go, you know, if you're a great accountant, but you're retired, go work at the SBA. They have a mentorship program. There's so many ways that we can help. And it's it fulfills us so much. It's so true. I realized that when I was in high school, I was going through some really hard times that I couldn't wrap my head around. And right after high school, I volunteered with the very organizations that were the things that helped me, like the suicide crisis hotline. I was a suicide and crisis counselor for a while because I had a friend who who um, died by suicide and I also was sexually assaulted. So I ended up working with the rape crisis counselor. And the way that it helps me get out of my situation to see things from a new perspective. It's almost like by giving people these bits of wisdom or help, you receive it just as much because I was even able to hear my own wisdom. Sometimes I'd be talking to someone and I'm like, I've never even thought of it this way yet. It's coming out based on this co-creation between me and this other person who needs help. Guarantee it's the exact way I need to help myself. And it, it usually was. And that you also, you, you're, you're healing them. You're healing yourself. And 
there's something about it's easier. Like you said, it's easier to, you're almost weirdly, we're more invested in other people. So we can have this moment of helping them. And oftentimes, you you know, the, the lesson just comes right back to you. You're like, oh, you know, I mean, I know for me, it took me 10 years of having this business to realize like, I do this business because I cannot help my father. He doesn't want help. I've tried. It's my, it breaks my heart. That's why I started this business. So there's part of me that I needed to heal by not being able to help him. I do it every day, all day. We went through most of your emotional clutter magnets, but there's one that we didn't really touch on that I feel like is really helpful to this particular type of podcast. And you talk about lasting wisdom. How is that a clutter magnet? And what are some ways that we can trust our own wisdom moving forward? So did you have to bring up my clutter magnet? (laughs) This is is me. I am a perpetual learner, right? I want to, I'm a sponge. I've always loved learning, but I think that I don't trust my own wisdom. So I'm always signing up for online courses that I don't really have the time to take. I'm, you know, I, I see a book and I, I buy it. And I, when I know, when I know the best place for me is audiobooks. I listen to them in the car when I'm driving. It's a great use of my time, but I still, you know, you, so if you're trying to collect wisdom, you're sort of buying all the apparatuses for it and you might not be participating in them instead of, or this is another thing I see. This is the other side of the same coin for this is people who hang on to their college textbooks, you know, and they hang on to sort of all this stuff. And it's like, well, we've kind of come a long way from that, but I worked so hard in college. And, and I think we have a hard time, like you said, trusting our own wisdom. And I think that's such an interesting point that you've brought up in your own experience that when you, you know, you did all this work on yourself and then you started to help other people is when you became aware of the wisdom you actually had to share, right? That you're like, oh, how, do, what? You know, and I'll, I find that that also spout something that I read or, you know, and, and so I think that we have to, I think we have to put our wisdom into practice, Melissa. I think our wisdom doesn't do us any good if we're just full of it. Like, I think you have to go out and share it. Um, it's one of my favorite things about working. I have a huge big part of my clientele is people over 80 and they're my favorite clients, like just things I've never learned. And I hear that. And so I think, I think our wisdom, I'm going to make a bold statement, but I feel like our wisdom only counts if you can share it with other people. I think if you hoard it and keep it to yourself, I don't think it does the world any good. What a great full circle moment for this episode. I'm going to submit it to Seinfeld. It won't be their funniest, but it'll be really (laughs) useful. (laughs) I'm like, wow, that just all tied in really well. (laughs) Well, yes, and your examples of the lasting wisdom touched on me and my husband. I am the knowledge hoarder. I'm getting a little bit better because I started to realize, like, I just bought another certification course. Like, I don't need more certifications. I need to just do the things that I already know. And then my husband is, like, he still has his art case from college and saves all his old projects. I'm like... No one's going to want this. He's like, yeah, when Brave's older, then we'll show him. And I'm like, no, I don't know if he's going to want to skim through these things. (laughs) The the internet exists now. You know that, right? (laughs) And also the thing, especially with art projects, like, you know, for a lot of people, it's the doing. 
right? It's the doing. I had this client whose dad made birdhouses and made a lot of birdhouses. And she was like, I can't get rid of it. He passed and I can't get rid of a single one. He put all his time into it. And I'm like, but that was his pastime. Like he enjoyed that. It's not your responsibility to be beholden to his pastime. Like give them to the neighbors, like give them to the birds, like take it to the park, you know? And we just get so hung up in that, oh, we've got to keep this because this person invested all this time. But part of the time, and this is very interesting to you with a, you know, a 19 month old, you're going to see this in kids' artwork. Kids, kids, you know, some kids will grow on to be great artists, but most kids' artwork is part of their development, right? That's how they learn, how they learn hand-eye coordination, how they learn imagination. So the artwork, it's not that the artwork itself is precious. It's that the process for the kid is precious. Yes. I'm all about that. I I have, with as much things as I like to bring in, I am so good at like just getting (laughs) rid of things. I don't have a lot of sentimental value to things at all. My husband's the opposite. So this will be a great episode for us to listen to together (laughs) and determine a course of action. So thank you so much for all of the lasting wisdom that you brought to us. And so for listeners that want to learn more, want to get more specific about what their clutter magnets are, how to resolve them, where's the best place for them to connect and find your newest book? Amazing. So uh, my base platform is Instagram. I do these five-minute decluttering challenges that people absolutely love. I am at Tracy underscore McCubbin. Um, Come join me over there. It's just such a positive, amazing group of people. And then the new book is called Make Space for Happiness. And it's available everywhere you buy books. It's also audio if you don't want to buy a book. Um, It's available on Kindle. It's in all the libraries. So it's easy to find and not add more clutter to your life. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 270. And your challenge for this week, we've already given you but I'll give you a little refresher. The first step is to be really aware of when you're using the word need. I can bet there's not a whole lot that you actually need right now. I mean, I guess I'm generalizing, but for most of us, even if it is the main ingredient in that recipe you plan to make, you could make something else. You probably have pasta. And I'm not saying you shouldn't make the recipe. It's just about whether you want it or you actually need it. And this kind of wraps up into the whole step of becoming really aware of what you actually feel. When you're about to click purchase, what is it that you're feeling? Is it lack? Is it unworthiness? Is it boredom? What is it really? And I know our minds will come to a conclusion and usually it's to justify what we're doing, but can you go layers deeper? Why am I feeling this? What's underneath that? What's underneath that? What's underneath that? And sometimes just that very act of creating the space before you impulse purchase is enough to ease up on what you're about to do. And I get it. I'm not that great at it, but it's something that I am determined to become good at, especially to model for my children. I do not want to just be one of those people that has a ton of crap that they don't need in their homes, which just creates chaos and a cluttered lifestyle and disorganization and all of that passes on to my kids. So let's do it together and let me know how it goes. I need accountability too. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. 
If you'd like to support Mind Love, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I love getting those and I read a lot of them on this show. So you can have your little minute of fame here. You can also join Mind Love Premium. It's my special community. I have some changes coming this next year that I'm excited about. And you get a whole backlog of over 50 exclusive episodes just for premium members, soon to be 100. You also get early release episodes, an ad-free listening experience, and bonus meditations. So that's at mindlove.com premium. And finally, you can support any of my sponsors by going to mindlove.com sponsors. I have a little blurb about why I love each one. I do heavily vet all of these companies and I only promote companies and brands that I actually really, really love. So check them out at mindlove.com sponsors. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.